Coming up on this episode of DL Weekly, Galaxy's Edge to be live-streamed, how reservation check-in will work, more reusable bags, Sleeping Beauty Castle awakens, aliens invade Tomorrowland, a classic returns to DCA, and more. DL Weekly starts now. Welcome to DL Weekly, a podcast about Walt's original Magic Kingdom, Disneyland. We cover the latest news and information from the resort, test our skills at trivia, and have a discussion about the parks every week. We invite you to send in your feedback and stories. Our contact information can be found at dlweekly.net. Now sit back, keep your hands and arms inside the podcast, and enjoy this week's show. Hello and welcome to this episode of DL Weekly for the week of May 29th, 2019. I'm Tig Bushman. And I'm Teresa Urban. We would like to send a shout out and a big thank you to all of our patrons, including Eldon D for joining us at the annual passholder level and to Daniel M for increasing his support. This support helps make DL Weekly possible. Our patrons get some pretty nice perks like access to our Discord chat, live shows, some DL Weekly swag and more. If you'd like to learn more, head on over to dlweekly.net slash support. Well, if you are a supporter at any of the different levels, you can go on to Patreon. And this week, we posted a behind-the-scenes video kind of showing what kind of goes into uh, editing the podcast and posting it every week. So if you're interested in how how we make it and how much time and stuff it takes, uh, go check that out. Again, uh, you can find that information at dealweekly.net slash support. Have you booked your trip to the resort yet? If not, you should. Contact James and Mike over at Concierge, and they will take care of your entire vacation from beginning to end. And as an added bonus, you'll get a free year of touring plans. Why wait? Check them out at concierge.com. Now let's get to the news. Well, if you're listening to this episode right away, you have the chance to catch the dedication ceremony of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge on the Disney Parks live stream at 8.20 p.m. Pacific and 11.20 p.m. Eastern this coming Wednesday. The live stream will offer a first look at the new land and broadcast the dedication of the land. This is really exciting to me because I feel like, from what I know, this is the first time in history that you can be a part of the dedication ceremony for something and not actually be present. Right. Um, so this, I don't know, kind of takes me back since we do a lot of the Disney history for our social media feeds. It is so cool to me looking at those old photos of Walt doing ded- different dedication ceremonies, mm-hmm. whether it's actual lands or even, I think there was one that we posted recently that was for the railroad. Um, yep. Just very cool. So I, th- I'm excited about this. I'm not so excited about what time it's happening because it's going to be a little late when we're going to be able to watch it. But I do think it's really cool. We're still working out some details. I'm sure we'll post it on social media or on on Patreon or whatnot or in our chat. Um, but we're thinking of doing some type of like live stream with it where we're I, we're not sure how that's going to look yet. But we think that we'd want to experience it with you guys and kind of talk about what we're seeing and and enjoy it because we're all going to be watching it anyway. Might as well all watch it kind of together and talk about it as it goes on. I'm excited to see what else they kind of talk about. We've gotten so much information over the last week because they've had cast member previews. So a lot of things have been leaking out that Mm -hmm. we didn't know about before and specifics that we only knew vague stuff about before. So I'm wondering how much you're going to see with the dedication. And then, of course... Uh, it's just going to be cool to actually finally see the land with our own eyes on on a broadcast, you know. So I think that's going to be super cool. 
Well, if you were lucky enough to get a reservation to Galaxy's Edge between May 31st and June 23rd, then this story is for you. Details on how reservation check-ins will work has been released this week. Up to two hours before your reservation time, you can check in at the Star Wars Launch Bay in Tomorrowland. Once checked in, guests will receive a colored wristband to wear to enter Batuu. As for merchandise and other rules, Disney has requested that no chairs or large coolers be brought to the resort on opening day. Guests are encouraged to Disney-bound, but costumes are not permitted on anyone over the age of 14. I'm glad that they have this all figured out. Um, And it's cool that they're using Star Wars Launch Bay, which is already Star Wars themed, but is totally in the opposite area of the park than Galaxy's Edge to kind of get people to go in and check in and get your wristbands and all that stuff. And I uh, so I just feel like it's good that they're putting all this information out there and it seems like it's going to go really well. I feel like they've already started doing this with the with the previews because a lot of the people that got into the previews also were able to get wristbands with colors and all that stuff. So, you know, just don't bring chairs or coolers. They say lines and cues and stuff for merchandise is going to move around and be kind of fluid. So if you bring those things, it's just going to get in the way and they don't want it. And then, of course, everybody's going to want to dress as their favorites. I mean, Star Wars people, I feel like, and Harry Potter is the other one. Mm-hmm. People love to dress up as these characters. Well, but the other thing is, since this land's so immersive, like that's, right. you know, could be part of how you want to experience land is you want to feel like you're actually a citizen mm-hmm. of this, you know, distant planet. So, right. But you can't. No. So don't show up in your thing. But you can Disney bound. So. And I think you could do a lot with Disney bounding as oh, yeah. far as, you know, trying to make it feel like trying to make yourself feel like you're a citizen or you're part of this far off place or you know at least kind of pay homage maybe to some of the original films yeah whatever your you know whatever your star wars thing is um i think you could do still a lot with disney bounding i think so too we got so excited for the reusable bags that the resort started rolling out recently and now we have some new bags themed to galaxy's edge the bags are grayscale and display a silhouette of black spire outpost with the millennium falcon on the other side is the galaxy's edge logo r2d2 black spire outpost and the millennium falcon in flight it is expected that the pricing state will stay the same as the current reusable bags around the resort. I just really like the look of all of the new reusable bags that they have come out. But I do really like that Star Wars, it's still that kind of classic look that the other ones have, but it's just specific to Galaxy's Edge. So I like that it's the same yet unique. It's also obviously a different color scheme because the other bags were primarily blues with like... Yep an off white or a white on it but it's still that same kind of block setup i like it i like it too i'm wondering if this is successful i'm wondering if we're going to start seeing these seam bags for other lands in disneyland so because i would collect all of them Mm -hmm. well when guests get a drink from a water fountain or bubbler if you're from the midwest they might be joined by a dianoga well what is a dianoga it's a creature that showed up in star wars a new hope when they were stuck in the trash compactor on the death star the creature will pop out of the tank where the water looks to be coming from so to kind of help every i feel like everybody that's seen star wars remembers this creature it's just this little one-eyed thing that kind of mm-hmm. like pops up out of the water looks like a periscope popping yeah up. kind of like a little periscope well and so this story i thought was so exciting when i saw this because not only will you see it in the tank, but it's to it's said to be living in kind of the pipes. So you can actually, you'll be able to hear it maybe when you're in the bathroom moving around in the oh. pipes. Or, um, <laughs> it very yes, it's very detailed. Or they actually are going to have like, a, they might, we don't know this for certain, but there's rumors that when you're drinking at the water fountain, it might somehow pop up at you while you're drinking from the water fountain. Mm. So get your cameras ready because <laughs> it might be, you might get water. But it's not every time. It's totally not random. Not every time. So. It's random. Yep. 
Uh, it is a little animatronic that they've got, so I think that's really cool. I, I feel like I'd be afraid to drink water in Galaxy's I Edge. I don't too. want this thing popping up at me. Uh, but, uh, you know, this just goes to show the level of detail and, and work that they're putting into this new land. So uh, if this is like the bigger stuff, I'm curious to see what like the smaller stuff is going to be that we're going to see everywhere. Well, since the beginning of the work on the sidewalks around the hub, the information board has been absent. A new variation of the tip board has appeared this week in digital form. The new board is smaller than the previous version, but has multiple screens to display information about wait times, show times, and dining options. Uh, the boards are also expected to be used heavily after June 23rd when guests need information on when they can enter Galaxy's Edge. Expect more of these to appear in other areas of the park leading up to that. These look so classy. The first photos I saw of them, I had to take a second glance because it did not look like a digital board to me. It looks very much like how the old boards looked in yep. that same style. One thing that I really liked about this that they didn't have with the old board that they do now is the picture that... Um, WDW News Today posted that we have linked in the show notes. Uh, they have a section at the bottom that can tell you, so this was in the morning, so they say breakfast, and it tells you all the places you can go have breakfast, because oh, sometimes it's hard to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are there places serving? Are they open, mm -hmm. etc.? And so they have in here Galactic Grill, the Plaza Inn, the Red Rose Tavern, all open, all serving stuff. They also show a little icon that tells you if you can do mobile ordering. Uh, there's the icons and stuff next to the different attractions that do fast pass or single rider line. And all of this stuff can be updated in real time. And I assume that these are connected to like the app, the same sure, database. Yeah. So if it updates that it's a 10 minute wait in the app, it's going to be a 10 minute wait here as opposed to before where it was cast members manually right. changing the signs out. So I like it. I think that it's good that they have all this. Um, and it seems like they can do a lot with it instead mm -hmm. of just wait times. It's very um, versatile. Agreed. Well, at long last, the walls have come down from around the Sleeping Beauty castle, allowing guests to enjoy her new paint up close. The new colors on the castle help with the forced perspective to make it appear taller than it really is. Around the entrance, golden accents and pixie dust were used to give it a magical, enchanted look. New banners, pendants, and landscaping were also included in the refurbishment. I mean, she looks better than ever. She, you know... This is going to sound crazy, but she looks more royal and more majestic. This looks more like what I would have thought like they would have done for the 50th anniversary. I agree. Because with the gold and stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah. The gold. There's lots and lots of gold and it's very shiny. Even the banners that they kind of have up there in the mm -hmm. front are very. It's almost they almost look like they're metallic. They're very shiny. And I just love that the archway is now painted gold as well. It's very beautiful. Yeah, and something that you also should not miss that I think a lot of guests might miss that mm -hmm. was um, brought back. They had a version of this before and they brought back a new one. So to celebrate the reopening, um, Disneyland made a donation to Ryman Arts, which is a charity founded in Herb Ryman's memory and planted a dwarf fir tree in his honor. And there's a sign denoting this uh, over by the wishing well. So the Ryman tree recalls a Christmas tree that belonged to her Ryman the last year of his life that was once planted near the castle after his yeah, passing. So I was, I actually read up a little bit on this. So what had happened was Herb Ryman was diagnosed with some sort of terminal disease. I believe it was cancer. I, don't quote me on that though. Um, and he really wanted a live Christmas tree, but it, he wasn't supposed to, it was like, this was like in the spring, he wanted a live Christmas tree. Um, but he wasn't supposed to make it through the year. So somebody actually bought him a potted fir mm. pine tree, Christmas tree, as it were. And that tree stayed by his bedside until he passed away, which I do believe it was before Christmas. Um, so after he had passed, 
he, that Christmas tree was planted mm. or that tree was planted in front of Sleeping Beauty Castle. Now, unfortunately, it has that it's not the same exact tree. Right. It has been, you know, changed throughout the years. I don't know whatever happened to that original tree, if it didn't make it or if it, whatever. But this isn't the original tree, but that's kind of the story and the meaning behind the tree. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nice that they made a... a a donation to the charity yeah. for him and everything. So it's nice that they're still doing a lot of stuff, um, you know, in memory of people that made a big impact on the parks. Well, not only has Sleeping Beauty Castle been refreshed on the outside, but also on the inside. The castle walkthrough, which tells the tale of Sleeping Beauty, has been repainted and new lighting has been installed. Guests were so eager to see the refresh, there was actually a line at times over the weekend. I don't think I've ever seen a line for the castle walkthrough. No, but remember when we were talking about the castle last week, Mm-hmm. There was another time too when they um when they had refreshed and redid the um, dioramas because yeah. remember it was the original style and they kind of went to a main street style and they went kind of did a hybrid of the two. There yeah. was a cast a line out to the hub for that oh, the wow. last like I don't know reopening I guess of it. But the photos that we've seen online of the new update I mean it's it's the same but it's just refreshed. Yeah, looks like it's a fresh paint. They look amazing it does look amazing so amazing the last time when i when we were there last time that we walked through it they, i mean they're so beautiful but they just looked i don't know a little faded not as crisp i felt like it was dark and hard to see that and it too. seems like they've that brightened too. a lot of that yeah the the lighting wasn't the greatest the last time i was there either so this these photos though i don't know if it was whoever took the photos made them look awesome but i like to think that that's how awesome it actually looks in person right well stuff's always gonna look better in person anyway unless they do some crazy photoshoppy stuff but yeah well, as we reported last week, the sign in Adventureland has returned to the entrance to the original land. Over the course of the week, more details have been added, like masks and tusks in the middle of the sign, and some new grass added to the tiki structures that are near the Dolip stand side of the entrance. I like we said last week, you know, they were going to keep adding stuff, and they have, and I think it looks good. You know what? I was kind of surprised at is is they put that sign up. It was up less than a month, wasn't it? Like that like temporary sign about one. a month, maybe? Yeah. yeah, the old one. Yeah. I'm surprised that they didn't just also leave that because it was kind of out of the way and off to the side. Like, why it was can't cool. you have two? But- well, I, yeah, I guess I don't know the placement of it exactly versus the placement of the new one. So maybe perhaps it would have been in the way. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, no, it just, it looks, it looks better than it did before, I feel. I feel like it's, I don't know. It just, the mask up on the top that I don't know mm-hmm. what you want. He kind of looks like a, very serious <laughs> guy. He just looks so awesome. The tusks look great. Everything just looks bright and refreshed. There's a couple of places that they still need to do some patching um, on the side walls yeah. of where that that cutout was before. But it just it looks really great. Absolutely. Well, you know, Project Stardust wrapping up. Everything's coming down. Everything's getting ready for the end of the week. Well, last week we discussed the Lamplight Lounge brunch, but this week we actually have the menu. The brunch menu includes items like a New York avocado toast, which features a grilled slice of sourdough bread under avocado mash, New York steak, a sunny side up egg, arugula salad, a piquillo butter sauce, and pickled onions. A brunch burger with a custom blend of meats, American cheese, one egg up, roasted green chili, lettuce, a paprika aioli, All on a toasted Amish bun is another option. One of the unique beverage options is a mimosa flight, which includes four flavors, a grapefruit and St. Germain, a orange juice and ginger, a watermelon, and finally a peach mango puree and creme de peach. Lots of cool looking stuff. I actually thought that the mimosa 
flight was kind of a neat idea because I only think of like beer flights, not yeah. like other things. Yeah. And it, beautiful colors too. And they have these mm-hmm. cute little garnishes that go on each of them as well. And this fun little wire, I don't know, basket, I guess, mm-hmm. <laughs> style thing that it comes out on. Honest, I'm not a big breakfast person, but honestly, I would, I would go try out those mimosas. Those look pretty good. Yeah. Even some of the things like the avocado toast, again, it's just a lot of like vibrant colors. There's, you know, the sauce and the, you know, the dark, you know, of the meat and then the lightness of the egg. Uh, so, I mean, it looks really good. Um, they did say on the Disney food blog that the burger was okay. Like, it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. I was surprised to see that the one that they reviewed actually had watermelon on the side instead of like French fries. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's good that they have it's some healthy brunch. option. That's yeah. why. It's brunch. <laughs> I don't know. There I don't do a lot of... that dish right there? Um, the potato flautas? Yeah. I would really want to try that. It's actually, I believe it's a vegan dish. But really? they had, yeah, the reviews that I read from Disney Food Blog said that it was very, very good. It is, yeah. It's got a plant-based chorizo, a vegan piquillo crema, a serrano tomatillo salsa, mm. arugula salad, and and escabeche. I don't know. I it don't know either, but it looks and good. It sounds delicious. It looks fresh. I said that it's, it's spicy. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, they have things like French toast and stuff. So there's quite a lot of options uh, for this brunch. But uh, I'm really looking forward when we go to eating at the Lamplight Lounge for something. I don't know if it's going to be brunch or dinner I or what. I just want to but... go inside. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't even want to eat anything. I just want to look at all the decor. The Elans have landed permanently in Tomorrowland after the refurbishment of Red Rocket's Pizza Port has transformed into the alien pizza planet. The rocket outside has been repainted to be similar in design to the one from Pizza Planet in the Toy Story movies. There's also a new paint job on the outside of the building that is awaiting a new sign installation. Inside, much of the restaurant has remained the same with the exception of moving the fountain machines from the food section before the registers to the back wall after the registers, which really opening things up. Yeah, so I was really eager to see what the inside of this was going to look like because they closed the whole restaurant while they were doing this and they, they're known for being able to do stuff on the outside without closing the inside, right? They just put up some scrims and you're good to go. So I was interested to see what they were going to do to the inside. Uh, and like I said, not not much has changed. They did move the soda fountains, which I actually didn't like that old location because like, it was in the middle and like yeah, some of the drinks of were on bottle, one side yeah, and sun were on the bit. other side. So this is nice because you pay and you go to the other side. And it's this whole long wall of stuff. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, I think it looks nice. It looks nice it and refreshed. It does look nice. Um, so when we were there for Pixar Fest, mm-hmm. the, to me, the decor inside looks more permanent than what we saw during Pixar Fest. So I think there was some updates to the decor in there to kind of make it more, more permanent permanent looking and not just temporary but i think it's i think it's nice i would have i was kind of expecting there to be a bigger transformation on the inside cuz like you said they did have the actual restaurant closed yep. so i was a little surprised that there wasn't a big difference but it still looks nice it does well for a limited time a classic is returning to disney california adventure the original Soren film, Soren Over California, that opened with the park in 2001 is returning for a limited time from June 1st through June 30th I've heard a lot of people really miss this. Yeah. Uh, this version of the attraction. I feel like it would be kind of a cool thing if they could do both because they've got the two auditoriums. It'd be neat if, like, if you wanted to see the old film, you get in this line. If you want to see the new one, get in this line because I've never seen the the new film, so I would like to see that. Uh, but 
Uh, it's just doing it for this month. And I think it's to try to get some people out of Disneyland over to California Adventure and kind of free some things up if people want to go see those. But uh, what do you think? You, you've you seen the original. I have. So I... And the new one, I you? prefer the original over the new one. I don't know why, but the original, to me, the um, the quality was just better. I feel like the, the scenes were crisper looking and it yeah. just looked better, whereas the new version, Soaring Over the World, didn't seem as well done somehow to me. I can't quite place my finger on it, but I feel like it was the actual projection and the actual images didn't hmm. seem as crisp and as lifelike. So it wasn't, I didn't have the illusion that I was actually soaring over these sure. things as much as I did with the original with going over California. Now this will be something that's weird for me because I actually thought that the tra- that the transitions in the new one were not were the like weak point because like they yeah. tried to like do a lot of CGI stuff to yeah. like kind of transition it, and the original one didn't transition at all. It was like you're Boom. at this clip, you're Boom. at this clip, yep. but for some reason that felt better than trying to do these weird transitions. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm. It's interesting to me that they're bringing it back and that it's only going to be around basically for a month. So I'm kind of. I haven't heard why they're... I'm really excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm really happy that they are bringing it back. But I just... I don't know what the reasoning behind it is. Maybe they are going to be cleaning up the old... Or the footage of Soaring oh, yeah. Over the World. And so in the meantime, instead of just not having the attraction running, maybe. they're going to put up the old footage of Cali- you know, Soaring Over California instead. Maybe that's the maybe that's the reason. Yeah. Time will tell. Yeah. Well, now we take a trip to Trivia Land where producer James will try and stump us Okay, let's be honest. He's not trying. He probably will stump us with some Disney trivia. He's going to read us the question. We're going to attempt to answer them. And then he will give us the correct answers after the discussion topic. So what do you have for us this week, James? A bunch of listener questions. So you really can't blame me too much. So. I love our listeners sending in questions. So this is all listener questions? Uh, I threw one in for myself. Okay, so three listener questions. Yep. Okay. So our first question comes from Daniel. And Daniel mentions the name Tom Morrow has been used during which two Tomorrowland attractions? Well, one of them uh, was the just interventions because he was right there in the beginning. I think is um, is he in Star Tours? I think it's in Star Tours. Oh yeah, because paging Mister Tom Morrow. I think they page Tom Morrow, and then, then it's also um, George Lucas, a nod to George Lucas. Sure. So you're saying. Star Tours and what? I'm going to say Star Tours. I'm going to give you a hint because this one also crossed my mind. Uh, the question again is the name Tom Morrow has been used during which two Tomorrowland attractions? As in, not in the queue. Mm. Okay, so we're going to scratch Star Tours, <laughs> I think. Well, Interventions, it's hard because that's like the intro show. That's could be the I'm sticking with Interventions. <laughs> So not Star Tours. Okay. So, okay. Um, Can you I, I, ask the question one more time? The name Tom Morrow has been used during which two Tomorrowland attractions? Are they... Is this open to all Tomorrowland attractions, past, present? Yes, most definitely. Um, I don't think he was in the Carousel of Progress. I'm going to say Space Mountain just because. <laughs> <laughs> and an Autopia just because. An Autopia? 
<sighs> Let's see. Maybe like America I, Sings. I feel like if I think about it long I enough, don't know. it'll come to me. Maybe. But I'm going to say... I'm going to say the yes. people mover. Oh, I forgot about the people You're mover. You're sitting next Please to Tig. How can you forget about the people mover? I'm not wearing my people mover <laughs> shirt today. Because he hadn't brought it up yet. <laughs> All right, our second question. And this is the producer James question. So the, 19, the 1978 refurbishment of the Matterhorn had three main changes. What were they? Was that the one that was that the one that they filled in the inside? I think that was when they filled. Yeah, I think that's when they filled in. Well, I mean, they added stuff to the end because it was hollow oh, before. Yeah, 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 so yeah, I think yeah, they I filled in. I thought you meant like filled the hole. I'm like, no, uh, because no? that didn't happen no, yeah, in the they, they themed. They themed the inside more. Okay, so you're saying that too. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what was it? Three things. Three things. Jeez. Of course, producer James really... has to give us a three part. Of course, this is a really dumb question. Harold? Uh, yeah, I think Harold showed think up Harold in there too. Harold showed up because he wasn't there. In, he and wasn't I th- there with the opening, right? No. I think, well, I think they had a different one. And then I think the, I think the like crystal section. Yes, yes, the with, crystals. Yeah, the crystals. I'm just impressed with what you've come up with so far. All right, our third question comes from Katie J. And Katie wants to know how many houses were relocated in order to build the Disneyland park? Oh, my. One. So I think it's the same people that like owned it or whatever. I think there was like a barn or something. I think it's only one. I'm probably wrong, but it's, I say one. I'm going to say none. None? Yeah. Okay. And last question from Eric J. Recently, a man made headlines after he unfurled a political banner on the Mark Twain. He was banned from the park. In 1968, the Disneyland Hotel unfurled a political banner on the hotel, welcoming which presidential candidate? Mm, Nixon. Wait, what year? 1968. I think that's Nixon. Yeah, Nixon. I'm going to say Nixon. Because he came to the park. Oh, but he came to the... Hmm. I'm still going to say Nixon. Hmm. I don't know presidential history. (laughs) I'm going to say President Mickey Mouse. I mean, I could see them using Mickey Mouse for like, like to teach people about the election. So sure. People always vote for him. So (laughs) that's true. I mean, he'd probably be a better leader than some of the people we've had. All right. Well, we'll, we'll find out if it's uh, President Mickey after this week's discussion topic. Well, this week for our discussion topic, we decided to kind of get to know the woman behind our castle, beautiful castle makeover, might I add, because we both really, really love it. We haven't seen it in person yet, but from what we have seen, it just looks breathtaking. So Kim Irvine um, is who we're going to take a little bit deeper look at today. So Kim Irvine, we've talked about her before, specifically about when, you know, kind of more about the castle refurb stuff, but she basically grew up with Disney and in Disneyland. Um, She was the daughter of Leota Toombs, who was a very famous Imagineer. And her father-in-law was um, Richard Irvine, which back in the early 50s, Walt Disney actually asked him to help construct Disneyland, the park. Um, He also had 
had a hand in designing and planning for some some very famous attractions, including the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, later, Richard became executive vice president and chief operations officer at Walt Disney Imagineering in 1967. So obviously, lots and lots of accomplishments and things that Richard Irvine, Kim's father-in-law, gave to the park. Um, and like we said, Leota Toombs, um, she was, she's best known for being the face of Madame Leota in the mm-hmm. Haunted Mansion. Well, the most public. Yes, the yeah. most, yeah, the most public. But she created and developed designs for the 1964-1965 World's Fair. Um, she played big roles in the creation of It's a Small World, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, as well as the Ford Magic Skyway. She kind of helped with different attractions again, including Pirates of the Caribbean and the Haunted Mansion back at Disneyland. So, Big, big shoes, I guess, to fill as far as Imagineering stuff goes. Kim actually started her career in the Wed model shop. And one of the first projects that she helped with was um, It's a Small World. I believe it was actually the one that ended up in Walt Disney World. Mm -hmm. But she did mentor with Mary Blair um, Mm. on that project, which is huge. Um, And then she actually transitioned over and began her Imagineering career in 1970. So she's done a lot of projects at Disneyland. And I was actually surprised to find out that she actually, her first project was Disney World, because I think in all the stuff we've read about her, especially her recent stuff and interviews she's done recently, it's all been about um, like her, you know, being the the person who keeps Disneyland, you know, kind of grounded in being mm-hmm. Disneyland. So that was interesting to to learn. Now for Kim Irvine, she's she's kind of had some successes and some failures on some attractions and in, in, based on, you know, the Disney fan base. I wouldn't call them Failures. Controversial. Controversial. There you go. Yep, she said some controversies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, like, for instance, you know, uh, she did some stuff that I think is great. She did a redesign of the Plaza Inn. I love the Plaza Inn. I think it's a gorgeous restaurant. Um, she did the Disneyland Dream Suite, which took over what used to be the Disney Gallery. And before that was, uh, you know, what's going to be Walt's second kind of apartment where he could um, have dignitaries and stuff visit uh, in fr- in above Pirates of the Caribbean in New Orleans Square. She did the 2008 version of Sleeping Beauty Castle, the walkthrough, which I think we talked about in the news segment, how there was a line and stuff yep. for that. So that turned out really well. Um, she did the 2008-2009 refurbishment of It's a Small World, which brought yeah. the classic white and gold back to it, which mm-hmm. was nice. That was also when they introduced... So this was the the very controversial thing in her career. One of the very controversial things that she did in her career was she was tasked... She was the one that was tasked with incorporating Disney characters into the It's a Small World attraction, which I think, you know, I was very hesitant when they first were talking about doing this because to me, why would you change it? It's classic. It's... Why, why do you have they to did such a nice Disneyfy job. it yeah. even more? I right. guess it's already a Disney way. thing. It yeah. is a Disney thing. Why do we need to put more? You know, why do we need to put the characters in there? But they did such a beautiful job, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, um, a lot of people actually called for Kim to either be fired or to resign yeah. after that because there were a lot of people that were very, very passionate, passionately against yeah. um, what that was, and unfortunately blamed her since she was kind of the head of it. Right. So. You know, in different interviews that I was reading that Kim has been in, you know, had given um, that still to this day kind of haunts her. That was a very, you know, she didn't take it lightly. Yeah. What people were saying about her work and what had happened. So unfortunately, that was a very kind of dark time for her. I think honestly, I think it's beautiful. I do think they did a really nice job of 
putting those characters in there pretty seamlessly. Yeah. The first time I went through, I remember trying to like pick them out. And some of them you didn't even notice were there because yeah. they blended in so, so well. Well, she is so good. And I think that with the castle refurbishment that just got unveiled, I think that we can all know that, you know, you could tell that she's trying to do, you know, she's trying to make sure that the history and stuff is preserved mm-hmm. and that the things that make these things unique and what they are, are preserved. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's definitely something in it. It's a small world because they do blend in. They look like it. It's not like you're putting Mickey Mouse in there. You're putting, you're putting, they look like it's a small world characters. Well, and the other thing too, was she had gone back and was kind of looking at the original sketches and concepts from Mary Blair when she was looking at how to incorporate these pieces. And she kind of placed these new characters in spaces that there wasn't something else. So it wasn't like they had to take away a bunch of the original things. They kind of just sprinkled it in there. So they basically kept kept the original intact but then just kind of plussed it which is what i feel like she did with the castle right now right. too the, it's still our beloved castle she just took it you know took it up right. one more step she also did a 2009 version of great moments with mr lincoln and then this was the other controversial one that people mm-hmm. had a hissy fit about was uh, the 2013-2014 expansion of Club 33, uh, which we talked about pretty extensively on our Club 33 episode a few episodes ago. So if you want to hear about kind of what those changes uh, were about, go back and listen to that episode. Which, overall, again, I think it's beautiful. I yeah. haven't been there in person. I wish I could be, but right. I haven't been there in person. Fingers crossed yet. But I think the new expansion and what it what it looked like versus what it looks like today it just looks gorgeous it's much brighter it's much more open um the big controversy though with that was closing off the court of angels to the public um and she's she's actually again in some other interviews that she has done has is kind of you know she feels bad about that she you know that was something that they i think kind of i don't think it was her personal decision no. i think that's what they told her to do and she feels really bad that they had to shut off a piece a piece a part of the park to the general public because that, a beloved you know, part i would say yeah that cuz that's not you know that's not what they want to do they don't want to make it make parts only accessible to some and not all um but that's just you know kind of how they had to do it with the with the transformation so she tried her best to kind of make make do with what she had to do and yeah. try and make it as bet as best as she could. I did see there are rumors that she and even there was an interview that was earlier this year that we can link to the um to our notes here that she feels really bad and she is working to try and figure out a way to somehow reopen it possibly oh, to wow. the public in the future. I don't know what that means because how it is now is it's you know that's club members only versus non club members right. only. So I don't know what how they'd be able to do that, but they right. are looking at trying to maybe figure out some sort of compromise there. That would be amazing. It would be. So we think about all these things. It's a small world. We think about uh, the castle refurbishment. We think about all these different things she's done at great moments with Mr. Lincoln, all these things, right? Well, she actually had uh, one thing that they had that was that to me, like I wouldn't even like think about as a big project, but from her description huge. in one of these interviews was amazing. <laughs> yeah, huh? A huge. Project. Yeah. So on main street, they took an entire block, which was the Candy Palace, the Coke Corner, the Gibson Girl Ice Cream Parlor, and Carnation Cafe, and they gutted the entire thing, and they they had to do it. And she said it was very daunting, because she didn't want to see those things change. Those were mm-hmm. things from when the park opened, 
and she wanted it to be put back together in a way that was going to work out well. So she worked to make sure that there was original storylines and making sure that all the details were still there. And so she she knows that one of the things that sets Disney apart from anybody else is the attention to detail on these type of things. So yes. uh, obviously things have to you know, grow and change with demands of, you know, your your guests and everything. So you definitely have to make these changes and you have to upgrade things. I mean, if you left Disneyland how it was in 1955, it would not be what it is today. So you have to make these updates, but you still got to try to keep what makes Disney unique. Yeah, the thing that's really cool about Kim is that since she basically grew up with the park, you know, she, she remembers what the park used to yeah. be like. So she kind of has one foot in the past and one foot in the present and then... I don't know, reaching out, I guess, to the future as well. Um, so she's very concerned with keeping the history and keeping everything that makes Disneyland Disneyland. Yeah. That's always her primary thing. So she's actually um, a big part of everything that was going on with Project Stardust. So she tried very, very hard to, yes, I, re you know, yes, we realize we need to expand these walkways, we need to this and we need to that to make sure that we have, you know, keep it comfortable for the crowds upon crowds of people that we're expecting. So they tried really hard to not get rid of all of the trees, to not get rid of all of the green. They tried, you know, I think they did a mm -hmm. really beautiful job. A lot of the things most people probably won't even notice that they did. And I think that that speaks volumes, that they were able to complete these projects without doing the easy thing, just ripping a bunch of stuff out and, you know, going the, the yeah. simple way. They did it so tiny, you know, so little minute things that, like I said, the the normal park goer wouldn't even notice that they've widened or they've this or they've that. They've right. put back there or here. Yeah, and it was really good to know that, like, you know, she said that, like, they didn't remove a single tree. You know, they moved mm -hmm. some things uh, and whatnot to make it better, but they didn't take anything out. So I think that that makes a big deal. Now, something I remember years ago now is one of the first things they did when they were coming up with these new fireworks shows, uh, I think starting with the before the 50th anniversary show, is they took out a lot of trees on Main Street back in the day. And there was these gorgeous trees that have been there since the park opened but you didn't have very good sight lines you couldn't see the castle down and yeah. all this stuff and people threw a fit because these are these gorgeous trees but i think anybody would think now like people people don't even think about that anymore because what they've done and put in place works better for the park as a whole i just love that there's somebody that works in imagineering that like cares so much about the legacy of the park and not just we need to build the new thing well the other interesting thing that i forgot to mention about her kind of in the beginning when we were introducing her is Kim actually um, founded the Disneyland Imagineering office back in 1980. So she oh. was had kind of some to do with Walt Disney World. Sure. But Disneyland was the, the special place to her. So she actually kind of when all of the Imagineering offices were kind of more in Florida and focusing more on Walt Disney World, she decided to start her own branch i guess of imagineering that would just be dedicated solely to disneyland because she knew it was that special and that great i, th I believe i read that the original offices were like s these little things that were kind of behind where the haunted mansion was it wasn't a very glamorous or beautiful so it was place. like a trailer i think it may <laughs> have just been yeah kind of like temporary things but um you know she she wanted it to be more permanent and she wanted to be right next to the park so that they'd be able to go over there and do stuff she loves the park so much that i also read that she just goes through every morning before they open she likes to just go walk in and just kind of breathe in all the details yeah. and all the all that there is for disneyland well wouldn't you oh for sure if i but, could i would but if you've been there for 
I mean, she's been doing this since the 70s. You know, yeah. She's there every day and she still stops to pay attention to all the small details. I think it's important to make sure that you stay connected with that because yeah. I think it's really easy for people to feel, oh, I know this place. I've worked in it mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. And then just kind of like not go there because you're like, oh, I not, know what Disneyland's well, and just, like. And not pay attention to the details yeah. and all the things that make it special. Yeah. I did not realize when I was talking about her projects, I see that you noted here that she also did the redesign of Rancho del Zacalo, which mm-hmm. I love that place for yes. food. So, And I think it's designed <laughs> and themed very well. Yes. And then the other thing too um, is she was a big part of the redesigning of the North part of the rivers of America. with the waterfalls and the stuff. waterfalls the beavers that you like yeah. so much that bridge she had a lot to do with the replanning and she's been really moving. busy huge basically everything that you see in disneyland for the past however long she has anything that has changed she has somehow been a part of it wow. at some point so which is just incredible which i was surprised because in doing research with her i just wanted to keep learning more and more and more and all I really had to go off of was a couple of, I mean, we had like a Disney wiki that had like a half a paragraph and a couple of interviews and that was it. I couldn't believe that I couldn't find her entire biography out there. If, she, if there was a bio, which maybe there is, I got to do a little more research. If I could find a biography of Kim Irvine and her career at Disneyland, I would love, love, love to read that book. She seems just fascinating to me. Just very fascinating. Well, I didn't know until the huge castle redesign that like, that she was involved in all this stuff because yeah. I've never heard her name. I've just heard like Imagineering did this yeah, or yeah. whatever. It, 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 it is true. And the more we kind of delve into Disneyland deeper with this podcast, the more I'm learning more names aside from, I mean, everyone knows Tony Baxter, right? But mm-hmm. we keep learning and kind of uncovering more of these famous Imagineers names. But you're right. You don't hear about the name. You just hear about the Imagineers, it's very generic. So, which is nice, kind of adds a little magic to it, I guess. But um, the other thing that I wanted to mention too is back in 2011, Kim Irvine became the first female recipient of the prestigious Buzz Price Thea Award for a lifetime of outstanding achievements from the themed Entertainment Association, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I mean, she's gotten a few different like awards. She's had coworkers tell them that like she's at the top of her game, yeah. like we talked about, I think, last week. Um, and so, I mean, she's obviously somebody that the that we as guests and fans mm-hmm. and the park and the company is very lucky to have somebody oh, like yes. this that's yes, working on this. Definitely. Uh, so something uh, I just was curious if she maybe either had a biography or not a biography or if she wrote something. So mm-hmm. I went on Amazon, I typed her name in real quick. And there's actually a book out there, which I feel like we might have to pick up called The Last Original Disneylander, Stories and Secrets from the Last to Retire to the First to be Hired. She wrote the foreword in this. Oh, interesting. So uh, the idea of this, um, you know, there's been a lot lately, I feel like, because a lot of these original cast members are getting up there in age and mm-hmm. some of them are yeah. passing away and stuff. So I think there's been a lot of uh, books and, and events. Um, My Sage put on a thing recently or My Chat put on a thing recently with um, the 55 yeah, or so people who work be. there. Mm-hmm. So I think that like, you know, we really need to get this history now before all these people are gone, you know. Yeah, before the stories, before the stories aren't there to be told anymore. Right. One last thing, and then we sure. can move on to our trivia answers. The other thing that I thought was kind of adorable with Kim is when she first kind of got into working with Wed and then e- eventually Imagineering. Um, she was very nervous that people were going to kind of think that she was only there because of who her parents were, because, like we said, she had very 
famous. Right. Well, Disney famous. You only parents. work here because your parents work yeah, here. Leota yeah, Leota Toomes, one of the first female Imagineers. You know, very yeah, very famous. Connect. She had connections. We'll put it that way. One of you know the Imagineers quickly learned that you know watching her dedication, she wasn't just there to be there. She was so very passionate about Disneyland and about the history and about just like, the whole culture that is Disneyland, which is what we all love today. She was so passionate about that, that she really shone through that this is where she felt she needed to be. And this is where she, what she wanted to do with her life. She wasn't just there because she could be, right. you know, and it was a fun summer job or whatever. No, it was very obvious that this was her passion. Yeah. I think that that's shown through with her, you know, throughout her whole career. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that Disney, uh, when it comes to the parks and resorts, especially, I think they need people like that yeah. because, you know, guests can say a ton of things, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to take it to heart and do something about it. Where I feel like Kim Irvine, she really, I feel like when she makes decisions or works on a project, she really is championing for the guest and trying to make, and championing for the park and trying to make it the best park uh, and the best experience it can Mm -hmm. be. So um, I'm interested to see, I mean, she had all this other stuff going on. I'm wondering how involved or not involved she was with Galaxy's Edge too, because maybe we'll learn that she was involved a little bit with that too. Because, I mean, she was involved with everything else. I can't imagine. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, well, that does it for our discussion this week on Kim Irvine. Uh, I hope you guys got inspired to go look up what little bit of information is out there about her. Uh, Maybe check out that book where she wrote the Ford, that kind of thing. Send us an email if you find out anything interesting we didn't cover. I know Teresa is like dying to know more about this person. So um, (laughs) I would I would love to meet her. Yeah, I don't know what I would say to her. But yeah, she just she's just fascinated. Yeah, really is. Definitely. Well, she has such a legacy. It's awesome. Well, we did have an email that I wanted to to, uh, to read about because uh, Connie, who was on the uh, show a few months ago, uh, who was a former cast member, we were talking about breakfast in DCA. Remember, we were kind of mm-hmm. like chit-chatting about that, kind of an offhand comment. Well, she mailed, emailed in and said, you've probably gotten several emails already, but just in case you haven't, Flo's V8 Cafe in Carsland has breakfast, as does the restaurants in the Pacific Wharf area. Oh, and Whitewater Snacks in the Grand Californian is also a good place for breakfast. And now you also have a brunch option. With the Lamplight Lounge, yep. So there's a lot of good places. Um, So uh, make sure to check those things out when you're there next time. Well, if you want to have a voice in the podcast on our discussion topics, please head over to dlweekly.net slash vote to register your choice for the next discussion topic. We've been getting a lot of great responses, so please keep up the suggestions for the future of the show. Well, did you enjoy listening to this episode of DL Weekly? You could support the show for as little as 25 cents an episode. If you want access to the supporter chat that we always talk about, it's only 75 cents an episode. Please consider joining supporters like Jeanette H. and head over to dlweekly.net slash support. So I don't really want to, but now it's time to return to Trivia Land with James wow. to get the answers for this trivia. This was a hard week i feel i feel my i'm gonna be real honest and i those were just all educated guesses that i threw out there <laughs> that's what trivia is in the yeah. isn't it so we'll see how we did all right first question from daniel the name tom morrow has been used during which two tomorrowland attractions i think i said what did i say space mountain and autopia and i said interventions and people mover i think you're right with people mover Ooh, no he's right with interventions oh. though yeah you definitely had to dig back into the past because the other one was flight to the moon wow oh. was before mission to mars so yeah daniel pulled that one from the disney play app so Ooh, the disney one. play app man definitely i need to get in there more <laughs> don't don't steal my trivia questions <laughs> <laughs> we're just studying that's all right <laughs> 
It's all about remembering. That's true. Good point. All right. Second question. The 1978 refurbishment of the Matterhorn had three main changes. What were they? We said Harold. Crystals crystals, and and filled in, like themed the inside. Mm -hmm. So you got two of the three. So good work. Uh, The open space was turned into a series of caves. That's one. Yep. The abominable snowman scenes were added. That's two. And the ride capacity was doubled. Oh. Oh, because they added the second bobsled that goes with it. Yeah. Mm. So So the crystals were not our thing. Not the crystals. Nope. But so what do we get for that? Is that two points? Or is that a three-pointer question? (laughs) Yeah, sure. We'll call it a three-pointer question. Okay. And call me impressed with what you were able to come up with regardless. Okay. So we're up to three points. You're up to three points. You're up to two two. points. (laughs) All right. Question number three from Katie J. How many houses were relocated in order to build the Disneyland Park? And I said one. And I said none. And I wish you two were right, but it's actually 15. Whoa. Really? Yeah. See, I was thinking about the expense of that, right? That's got to be pretty darn expensive to relocate houses, but good for them for doing yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. And our last question this week from Eric J. Is this, is this voice of DL Weekly and Mouse Kingdoms, Eric you J.? You got it. If only I could read it in his voice. Yeah, right. (laughs) Recently, a man made headlines after he unfurled a political banner on the Mark Twain. He was banned from the park. In 1968, the Disneyland Hotel unfurled the political banner on the hotel, welcoming which presidential candidate? And I said Nixon. And I said Mickey. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got to imagine there might have been some Mickey on it, but Tag is right. It was presidential candidate Nixon. So I got four out of a possible... Seven. Seven. And Teresa got two. Two out of seven. Sorry, Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it sounds like it's still better than she expected. So I'll, yeah, I'll take yes, that it as is. a win. So, <laughs> so keep, keep bringing these challenging questions on. They're way more fun than what I come up with. You can send me an email. It's trivia at dlweekly.net, and we'll stump them together. Well, we will be back next week with more Disneyland news and information. So until then, go out and enjoy the parks. Ladies and gentlemen, Disneyland has now ended its normal operating day. We hope you've enjoyed your visit to the Magic Kingdom and that you'll be back with us again soon.